Publishing for Profit podcast is brought to you by Ghostwriters and Co. Earn more money by publishing better content and learn how to increase your thought leadership so you can build your brand. Head over to ghostwritersandco.com for more information. That's ghostwritersandco.com. And now, your host, Joel Mark Paris. Hello, and welcome to the Publishing for Profit podcast. This is your host, Joel Mark Harris. Today, we have a very interesting guest on, Dai Manuel, who is a fitness coach. He's a mentor. He's an author, keynote speaker. There's very little that this guy does not do. So we talked to him about his trip from Bali. He spent five years traveling. He um, had a difficult time growing up and... uh, was overweight and we talk about how he changed his mindset to overcome his health issues to um, grow as a person and what you can do to change your mindset and change your life Uh, so hopefully you enjoy this episode hello Dai, and welcome to the show it's great having you pleasure to be here it's nice to, to reconnect it's been a lot of years actually i it's, think since it's we, been we a last while. connected yeah yeah, yeah. it's been a while um but yeah like i was saying off air it's this show has given me a huge opportunity to reconnect with a bunch of old friends and, mm-hmm. and basically just just chat with them so it's been really great so i want to start off uh you had a recent health scare um you had surgery can you tell me a little bit about what was going through your mind there and um, has things shifted since then? Mm. Yeah, well, it, it's so interesting, right? How, you know, I've been in the wellness industry, like the wellness space, helping people with just living healthier, more active and happier lifestyles for, for 25 years. I'm in my 25th year. Uh, I didn't naturally come from fitness, though. Like I was morbidly obese as a teenager, so from age nine to fourteen, I was really overweight, uh, and all the typical cliches that uh, are usually attached to that, or, or the stereotypes, if you will. Uh, I was living them, and also, you know, to date myself a little bit now, uh, I'm forty-three now, and so if you do the math and go back, you know, about thirty years childhood and obesity typically weren't found those two words in the same sentence, let alone side by side. You know, it's now a major global issue. Uh, But back then, you know, it was me and one other guy in the entire school was in that state of unhealth. So going through that process, I already sort of developed a a new mindset around feeling good, you know, like feeling healthy, feeling, you know, trying to do something that reduces the aches and pains, helps me have better energy, helps me manage stress a little bit more effectively, just really prioritized, became a pillar, a core value for me is my, my well-being. So I have a, a specific relationship with health. You know, that's why I embraced it as a, as a career path as well. And a number of years ago, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And, you know, it, autoimmune diseases are, are very prevalent. It, it's, I mean, you, you get a room of 100 people and you throw a pebble out there, you'll probably hit somebody with an autoimmune disease. It's just the, the odds are, are stacked against us. And, and I'm not going to go on a pulpit here and talk about why I believe it's so prevalent, but I, I definitely think there's some trends and we're seeing this happen more and more. But, but there's such a varying degree of, of ailments, if you will, in these, these sort of chronic conditions. In my condition, in my case, 
I have no uh, neutrophils. And neutrophils, so your bone marrow produces some some beautiful stuff, you know, that, that helps stave off infection, helps fight fevers, viruses, that kind of stuff. My bone marrow is really healthy, produces a lot of great stuff, but my body's killing off this component of the, the white blood cells called neutrophils, which leaves me with nothing, no, no line of protection. And so what happened just a few weeks ago was I had an infection stem from just something minor, you know, just a, a little minor ailment. Next thing you know, after about a week and a half of dealing with a fever and hoping that things get better, uh, ego gets the better of me um, and, and not to stereotype men, but it was in a region of my body, you know, a lower region where I was like, I don't really want to go and show this to the doctors, you know, like, uh, it, it, and next thing you know, this minor thing that most people would never have an issue, it turned into an abscess and, and it was getting worse and worse. And uh, got to a point where after three days of not sleeping because the pain was so bad, I was like, okay. My wife was actually the, the voice of reason. She's like, you're going to the walk-in clinic. <laughs> so, as, as weights uh, are, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and it is. but And it's funny, right? Like I, I work with people and I help them through stuff like this. And meanwhile, I wasn't – I was not listening to my own best advice. And, and I think a lot of us that work as coaches or mentors, we have that tendency at times that we know what to do, but sometimes we just don't do it. And uh, I found myself in that same situation because the ego was getting in the way. And, and I went to the walk-in clinic. The guy looked at me and he's like, you got to go to the eMERGE right now because I can't help you. And, uh, and then, you know, three days later, surgery later, um, fever broke, uh, the abscess was drained. And, you know, I'm now just over a week in and I'm feeling back to normal, right? I get, still got some antibiotics, but what, what really I took away from this, you know, is that health is just so finite, you know, it's not infinite, uh, you know, it, it is very finite. It's also very sensitive and delicate uh, to the standpoint that as much as we think we're living a certain way and making the best decisions and taking the best actions, you just never know. You just never know. Like, and I think COVID has been a, a prime example of that. You know, it's a, it's a virus. It's a mutation on an existing virus that we've already got a lot of information, a lot of data, and a lot of history with uh, over the last 15 years. However, this new strain, whoa, look what it's doing. It's wreaking havoc globally. Could we have anticipated that? Could we have made decisions based on that? Well, in hindsight, I guess you could say yes, but let's be honest, we're just living life day to day <laughs> and we expect things to stay as they are. Mm -hmm. And then one little thing comes in there and it challenges our status quo. And, and so I just, going through this experience has made me just realize, wow, you, you know, sometimes these smallest of things that just needle at us on our sides, you know, creates a little bit of discomfort, but not enough for us to want to make a change. And I've realized that I've got to be much more in tune with my own body to the standpoint that as soon as those little things start to needle at me, you know, better to be overly cautious than not cautious enough. And, uh, and I'm living proof of what happens if you don't pay attention and you let it go on too long. It's like, whoa, you know, it was pretty extreme. So yeah, I've got a, just a sort of a, a reminder of what health is, especially for me, and how fragile it can be at times. So, so you have to be really careful with COVID then. I do. I, I've been, I've gone out very, very little, mm. very little, which is really hard for me because uh, I'm just, I, I am a social being. I, I do like connecting with people in person. 
Uh, and so shifting to that, as well as my family's had to make adjustments because of my autoimmune issue and being in this, you know, mm. as my hematologist joke, she's like, oh, you should just live in a bubble. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I'm not going to live in a bubble, be bubble boy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so it, it, we've had to make certain uh, changes and, mm-hmm. uh, and be, pay attention to certain things. So, yeah, uh, I've definitely had to make some adjustments and, and, you know, the transition has been pretty smooth, but it's also created its own fair amount of challenges, but we're all experiencing them, you know, and just, and mine's not really unique or special. There's a lot of people that are in those uh, susceptible states of their health. So they're, they're a little bit more high risk and I'm definitely one of those individuals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any advice around, like, I guess, just keeping a positive, maybe positive mm. attitude is not the right term, but a good mental state around mm. uh, COVID and people who are in your situation who have to be really careful and who um, have to limit the contact of people? You know, I, I, I've had my moments, right? I feel like it's been a bit of a roller coaster these last few months because emotionally, uh, it's just, it's challenging, right? Like we're, we are social beings. I really believe that, you know, we are people that for sure need contact on some level, you know, to go a whole life without that would be very challenging. I, I think for majority of people, if not all people, you know, like you look at the early studies that, that happened, I mean, many, many decades ago, but they looked at babies when they were first born and they didn't have immediate contact. The fatality rate was far greater than babies that had regular contact from the time they're born. And, and so I think there's something to that. Uh, so it affects us emotionally, you know, psychologically, even physically as well. But all these things are tied. And uh, I always try to recommend to people that, you know, just give yourself permission to just stop everything that you're doing. Take a deep breath. Reflect on the things to be grateful for in the moment. And if you're healthy right now, you've got a roof over your head, you got food in the fridge and <laughs> in your belly, uh, you've got healthy family and friends out there in the world. There's much to be grateful for, you know, before we started recording this, you know, we were talking about that, right? This, this, this perspective on, on life and the, the fact that, you know, things could be worse. And, and so I think it's a really celebrating and appreciating the things that are good, that are going well for us. And, and don't forget those because I, I think it's easy to minimize those things, right? To, to, to marginalize them to the point where uh, all we can focus is on the negative, and, uh, you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Anthony Robbins, they, they have that, that saying that where your attention goes, your energy flows. And, and I think, you know, you can focus your attention wherever you want. But remember, that's where the energy is going to go. So do you want it going towards something that's negative or do you want it going towards something that's positive? I try to err on the positive side. And uh, it's not always easy, but it is a choice. It is a choice. And, and that's why I say creating a little bit of space for you to just take a step back Take a deep breath and reflect on the things that you have to be grateful for right now. Sometimes that's just enough, just enough to, to interrupt that pattern uh, just long enough that you can say, okay, okay, I'm starting to go down that negative path. Woo, let's pull it back a little bit, reset, refocus, and then get back to it. You talk a lot about your five pillars in you know, previous interviews uh, on your website. Can you talk a little bit about what those are and why they're important to you. Mm. 
Well, I think we all have core values, you know, and, and maybe some people aren't as clear or haven't really defined what those are to them. But I think for anybody that's listening to this, if you think about like, what are the things that are really, really important to you? You know, like th these things that you truly value and they probably are these underlying ideas or beliefs that actually dictate a lot of your choices and your actions, uh, even how you react or act, uh, depending on the situation you find yourself. And, and the easiest way I can put these into to a framework that we can understand, uh, at least be able to conceptualize, is I've found that alliteration works really well. It's also probably the writer in me. You're a writer as well, Joel, so you know this. Uh, I, I use five F's and I use um, a metaphor of a home. And if you envision a house, like you're going to build a house and, and I, I'm going back to my grade school. I'm not an artist. Uh, so my artistic, uh, I, I'm no Bob Ross. Okay. So, uh, you know, I'll draw the four walls, I'll draw a roof and a, usually a foundation with some grass, maybe a tree and some birds in the sky, but they're very remedial. And uh, I will look at that house though. And, and that's our standard idea of a house. Well, there's a foundation upon which we construct this idea of what a home looks like. And if we make this home analogous for our life, well, how would you want to construct your life? What would you like your life to be made of? You know, what's going to allow you to weather the storms or, or the earthquakes or whatever comes at us as we live this life? And, and so I use this idea of the five S where there's fitness, family, faith, and finances on a, with an overarching roof of fun built on a foundation of health. And for me, these are very important. You know, they're, they're values that if you were to ask me the same question 20 years from now, my answer would probably uh, deviate very little. It'd probably be almost the same. And that's how I let people know. It's like whatever you believe to be true to you right now, things that you prioritize as important in your own life, they're absolutely true to you. And chances are we have the same conversation 10, 20 years down the road. I bet you the same ones will come up again. And that's how you really know that there are these integral values that, that you integrate into who you are. And family is really important, but family could also be relationships with others. It could be friends as well. It could be associations, community. But this idea of this, these, these closer bonds, you know, we are very communal people. Uh, we need these important, these relationships, I believe, to, to truly function at a high level. And, and so family is a priority for me. Fitness is just a direct conduit to improve our health. So remember, we talked about this foundation of health. Well, do you, do you want a dirt foundation or do you want a marble foundation? You know, and, and what do we do to reinforce that foundation so the home or the life that we erect on top of it has the best opportunity to thrive rather than just simply survive, right? And, and so fitness, I know if I do certain things and move my body in a certain way, practice certain type of uh, a proactive approach as it relates to even my nutrition, you know, which I classify under the fitness umbrella, I know it gets me in a good situation where I have a better opportunity to just feel good energetically, you know, to also stave off potential health scares. Not to say that's guaranteed, you know, I live a healthy, active lifestyle, but look, boom, I just got sick, you know, and it happens. Fortunately for me, it doesn't happen that often. <laughs> and and I, I truly believe that it's because I have this this focused effort to try to reinforce that foundation through fitness. Finances, well, we live in a global economy. And if you want to be someone that collects experiences like our family is, we don't collect stuff. We're very minimalist. And, and that's why we've been traveling the last five years is that we don't have a lot of stuff to track around, but we do like to collect experiences. 
but for many experiences in the world and to, to live in different cultures, it takes money. And, and so having a, a solid understanding uh, or at least a, a mindset around being financially responsible, I think is important. It's just in the world that we live, you know, and if there's a commune out there, I can join and I don't have to pay for anything anymore. And it provides me everything that I ever wanted. Great. I haven't found that place yet. So, <laughs> so finances remains one of the S and then uh, faith, right? It's this idea that there's something greater than all, uh, greater than us as a solo unit, as a unit, uh, uh, you know, and I, I believe that um, mine's non-denominational. And so for some people it is religious based. It's wonderful. It's great. I, I, I love that. For me, it's more about just leaving this planet as a better place than when I, than it was when I got here, you know, and then the roof of fun. If you're not having a smile on your face every day, there's something not going right, you know, and, and so that is sort of the five F's in a nutshell. And I invite people just draw the home, have the four walls, the roof, the foundation. You define what those values are to you. This is just one that I found works for me. It's one that I share with people. Some people relate to it. They might take a few of them, but they might add in a couple of their own. That's cool. It's your life. Do that, <laughs> you know, but don't just not define it because by defining it, it at least gives us a little bit of clarity as well as confidence given situations where things may not go according to plan, you know, uh, and that's where I found those core values to be very instrumental is when challenging times have arisen and, and been put in front of me uh, because of that solid understanding and the, the, the constant reinforcement of those walls. Uh, I have some good habits. I have some great people and some amazing support that allows me to weather those situations better than if I didn't have those. That's awesome. So when you mentor somebody or coach somebody, do you start with the five F's? Is that like a good place to start? I find it's a good generic place to at least give some understanding. You know, I think a lot of us, and I'll speak for my own personal uh, side of things especially is uh, sometimes taking these sort of their concepts that may not be natural or, or instinctual like we just don't have a general understanding because our points of reference may not be there like we mm -hmm. when you start talking about well what's your core values some people might be like i don't understand what you're asking like i don't even know what a core value is so if you don't have that basic understanding of what some of these terms uh, are it's really hard to to see how it fits into your own life or how it can even benefit so sometimes i find it's just even a conversation and being open to to doing some self-reflection you know, asking ourselves questions. And, and I find that's always the best place to go. You know, if one question I love to ask people is like, what do you want? And people are like, well, what do you mean? What do I want? What do I want to watch on Netflix? What do I want for dinner tonight? Like they're thinking about really the immediate, not really the whole big question of like, well, what do you want for your life? Because I mean, we can sit by and just let life happen to us or we can take a proactive approach and actually set in motion certain things you know, or choose to go a certain direction, take certain actions, make certain decisions. So we can be proactive in the design of our own life. And I love this idea of life design, lifestyle design, because it, it very much implies that there's purposeful action being taken. You know, like you're actually saying, okay, this is something that I want for me, for my family, for my life. So I'm going to do something proactively to get me closer to that realization. And, and some people just, well, speaking from some clients and even myself, at certain times in my life where things haven't been going my way, 
and I feel like the world's beating me down, especially when I was morbidly obese as a teen, I'll tell you, I had a very much a victim mindset. And it was really easy to point fingers, fingers at all the reasons why things weren't going right. Rather than ever reflecting back on myself and asking the question myself, well, what could I do for myself to change my situation? And, and there's a beautiful quote, and I don't remember who said it, but it, it's this idea of the fear of change, right? Like when we fear the idea, you know, the, the prospect of when we, okay, sorry, when the fear of not changing is greater than the fear of change. We know we're ready to make a change, you know? And so that's true. What, yeah. it, and it's happened to me many times. Mm -hmm. I've gotten to that point where I'm like, gosh, yeah, I'm not liking where things are at right now, but I'm more afraid of staying exactly as I am and having to endure this because I can also tell and be honest with myself, well, if I continue to do the things that I'm doing that's producing these negative results, do I anticipate them getting better by me not actively doing anything different? You know, Einstein had a theory on this, right? <laughs> you know, and mm -hmm. and so quite literally, and it, it's it's that self-talk, that self-reflection, and just that giving ourselves the space to even ask the question and think about the answer. And uh, it's not necessarily easy stuff because I think a lot of us get caught up in the day-to-day. -day. Life happens, mm -hmm. whether we want it or not. You know, and and uh, it, it is easy to to find ourselves feeling overwhelmed at times, and um, yet and this is something that I, I've had to address in my own life at times. Like I'm, I used to play a lot of video games in my twenties, you know, and, and then I got into golf as well. And when I started looking at golf and video games versus some of the other things I wanted in my life, I realized all the time that I was investing in these other activities was more actually a, a form of escapism for me. I was avoiding doing the things that I knew I wanted to do because I knew it would make some positive changes for me. Yet, I was more afraid of the idea of actually going for those things because I was afraid of failure. I was afraid of not actually succeeding. And then, so why bother? You know, and, and, and this mindset, that it's really easy to fall into that trap. I, I don't know if you've ever been down that path oh, as well. Yeah, bit. definitely. Gosh, I think that's crazy, universal. Right? Yeah. 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 For sure. So. so you were talking about having a victim mindset as a mm -hmm. teenager. What mm -hmm. shifted in your life to make those changes to become more healthy, to eat right? Um, and, and what can somebody do to, that recognizes that in the, themselves? And how can they make changes? The cool thing about change is that it's a guarantee. <laughs> like, and what I mean by that is, you know, Buddha said you know, like 2,500 years ago, this too shall pass. But everybody, when they hear that quote, they automatically presume, oh, if something bad's happening, don't worry. We'll get through this eventually. But he was also referring to all the good things in our life, you know, like because everything has a time and a place, but it also hits a point where it just isn't any longer, right? Like it, it just, I mean, think about some of your happiest moments in your life. We can reflect on that. We can think back on it. We can try to relive it as much as we can, but it's only in our mind now. Like we can't actually have that again. It ended. And so this idea of this too shall pass really just ties into this, this given law, this absolute truth is that nothing stays the same. It's always changing. Now, you can either look at that as a negative or you can embrace that. And it's one of those things. It's like, I, I, yeah, I don't want to die. I want to live forever. 
but I'm also a realist. No one's figured out that one yet, you know? So <laughs> I can either run away from that fear on knowing that it's always going to be there, but try to avoid it and never deal with that, that added stress and that anxiety that comes around that. Or I can just look to, to embrace it, accept it, and then just live the best life as I can given the time that I have, you know, every day making that active choice. So this brings us back to, to this idea that change is going to happen whether you like it or not. But it happens instantaneously. Like as soon as you choose to change, you put in motion change. Like it's, it's really, it starts with an idea. And that idea eventually will translate into hopefully some actions. And those repeated actions over time will start to make gradual shifts that will compound over time in a really good way to see those changes. And obviously being someone that started in the wellness space in the fitness industry, uh, I worked as a trainer, as a coach, uh, you know, going through those changes myself took about 20 months and it really was not anything super fancy. It wasn't anything super complicated. Realized I was 14, almost 15 at the time. I, I just started to move my body with a bit of purpose, meaning that I was proactively making a decision to go out. And for me, it was mountain biking. So I would go and ride my bike <laughs> and I'm totally dating myself. My dad would let me borrow his Sony Walkman, you know, the old yellow one. Yeah, I remember that. I, oh, I had one. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> so you know exactly what I'm talking I know, about. Exactly. Yeah. And remember it would have the autoplay and it would flip, right? Mm. So I would listen to one side and as soon as it flipped to the next side, I would then know that it was time to turn around and come home. So I would be out for anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes of just cycling. And I was, you know, I was fortunate. I lived in a small town in rural Ontario. So there was lots of, of country roads to explore and lots of hills. So I got a variety of intensities in that time. And so I would do that almost every day. I just get out and move my body. And then I also educated myself on nutrition and just trying to understand, okay, the effects of sugars, you know, what does pop do for me, you know, and just starting to understand this thing called calories. What does that even mean, you know, and, and starting to veer more towards just eating whole foods, less processed foods, less things out of boxes, right? Less sugars and just little bits every day, just trying to not necessarily end entirely all these, these habits that I had, but rather just shifting them. And yeah, I didn't notice any big changes the first few days, let alone the first few weeks. But over time of doing this consistently every day, man, things started to change. I started to release some of the fat. I started to put on a little bit of lean muscle mass. My body also started to embrace some of the testosterone that was being uh, brought into my body at the time because I was late to get into puberty as well based on my state of unhealth. But as soon as I started getting healthy, it kick-started puberty, which also provided some benefit. And, uh, you know, 20 months later, I had literally shifted my, my health to, to a point where now I was perceived as a healthy, active individual. And with that came a different uh, perception of myself and a certain confidence. So actually what got me excited about coaching and mentoring people, because people started asking me questions like, man, how'd you do this? What did you do? You know, can you help me? And I loved helping others do the same thing to at least get started on these journeys. And, uh, and that was sort of the origin story. And anybody that's listening to this or watching this, literally, it's like, just focus on one thing that you want to change. Just one thing. Maybe it's just eating more whole foods or eliminating sugar from your diet, you know, or maybe reducing it so you don't have sugar six days a week. There's only one day you allow yourself to have some sugar. But just these small little things. Maybe for some people, some of my clients, I'm like, I just want you to get out and walk for an hour every day. That's it. Just that's it. I don't need you to change your diet. I don't need you to change anything else. Just 
Every day I want you to get out and just walk for an hour. It's incredible what happens when you start doing something that really creates this positive shift inside of us, you know, because energetically, this, this energy that we feel when we start to live a little bit healthier, start to do something that shows ourselves that we love ourselves, that we actually care for our well-being, it compounds very quickly and in a positive way. And it opens up so many other possibilities for us where all of a sudden we realize, whoa, I, I, you know, I can actually do this. I can make some changes and I can feel the benefit. And that's very contagious. And, and those small little changes can lead to big changes just because now you have the self-belief and self-confidence that you actually can do it. And uh, I, I'm more about empowering people to learn how to do it on their own than rather have to rely on me. You know, I tell it to a lot of my clients. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're going to work together for a few months. But my goal is by the end of those few months, you can look at me and say, die, I got this. You know, I got this. I know exactly what I got to do. This is my lifestyle now. I'm on. I'm on deck. I'm ready to go. Let's play, you know. And uh, and I find that sometimes you just need a little bit of hand-holding to begin. But once you got it, you got it. You can't unlearn that stuff, you know. Who is your first mentor and how did they help with your shift in perspective and, and make changes in your life? Uh, when I really think back on it, it, you know, my parents were great mentors just by role modeling. You know, they, they were very much self starters. Uh, they were both entrepreneurial in spirit and, and also in vocation. Um, they always had, well, my mom always had a side hustle, uh, even though she was working full time in, in the health space as well, but as an RN, a registered nurse and a healthcare provider. And uh, my father was a vet, a veterinarian, oh, so he cool. had his own practice after he graduated as a partner. So, you know, seeing their work ethic was very impactful for me and understanding that, you know, it takes hard work, it takes dedication, it takes consistent effort to, to create certain results. They weren't exactly great role models on the health side, though. You know, like, and, and so I recognize there was the certain things that I learned just by being around them, by being their, their son. Uh, but then on the flip side, there was also certain habits that they had that weren't conducive to me living a healthy, active lifestyle. And so when I started to recognize that, it was like, okay, well, this is where they can really help me, but I need help in these other areas. And I was really intimidated at the time to even set foot in a gym. So that's why I said, you know, my parents bought me a mountain bike. They saw that all of a sudden I wanted to make a change because I wanted to do something different. And before that, you know how it goes. People mm -hmm. that love you, they're like, hey, let me help you. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And I'm like, no, because I don't want to do it. You know, until I got to that flip, the, the script in my mind, wanting to be the person that was actually doing it for me, for my own reasons, uh, it, it was a lot of empty uh, suggestions. And uh, so then, yeah, that sort of just stemmed off in, into that uh, that lifestyle being formed. And, and eventually, as I gained some confidence that I knew what I was doing, I, I sought out other people to, to be my role model or mentors. And that's when I finally decided to set foot into a gym. There was a lot of fit people there, you know, and I was still uh, quite an overweight teen and I was very intimidated going into that space, but these people made it feel very comfortable. They were open to me asking questions to just observing or watching. And, uh, and that was wonderful. You know, it really got things in motion for me before I was even in my twenties. And then I've had a few mentors since then, but the beautiful thing is we all have access to mentors, to coaches. I mean, YouTube's a wonderful resource. TED Talks are a great resource. Amazing podcasts like your own. Again, great opportunity to learn. Uh, 
and and it's just being someone that has a, a habit of learning and uh, and I think that's ultimately what I want to put across is that my parents are very good at instilling that in me at a young age awesome so you were traveling for five years and I think it was two years in Bali mm-hmm. what what sparked that world travel and what did you learn along the way yeah well I was you know, our family, I, I, for 17 years, I, I worked within a very specific space. You know, I was a, a, a founding partner of a company, a retail operation, and sold fitness equipment. And, and, and I really loved it. I thought that was what I'm meant to be doing. You know, like when you really find that thing and it aligns with your passions, your purpose, you, you know, you just, you feel like this is it. This is my why. This is what I should be doing. But then things started to shift. You know, as I was aging, as my kids were getting older, I I realized I had other aspirations, other things I wanted to do. I also saw that my kids were getting older and that time with them was dwindling. You know, that opportunity to to be a full-time family was creeping away. And so my wife and I, you know, bless her, she was dripping on me for a few years before I finally committed to the process, but she was dripping on me about this idea of traveling as a family. And and I just couldn't wrap my head around it because it wasn't, something that was everywhere on my radar. But, you know, as those ideas were planted, the seeds were planted, they, they started to, to, to sprout into potential and, and me being able to actually have a vision of what life could be like. What would this mean for us? And actually giving myself permission to dream again. And going through that process was awesome. And it got to a point where I was like, you know what, I, I want to do something different. I, I really do. And, and it was scary because 17 years is in a career path and thinking that this is where I'm meant to be, this is it. And I'll do this till the day I die kind of thing. And all of a sudden that being put into question, it's a scary place to be, you know, and anybody that's gone through significant career changes or big lifestyle changes, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. It's, it's like, oh my gosh, is this really happening? Yes, it is. Oh, okay. Whew, here we go. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't really know where we're going to go or wh- how it's going to work out, but what the hell, let's just give it a go. Cause What's the worst that can happen? And for us, it was like, okay, well, we both leave our careers. We pull the kids out of school. We give away all our stuff, pack up our SUV and start traveling. What is the worst that can happen if things don't go, if I'm not able to start earning an income online and if I'm not able to continue to diversify my finances in order to ensure that we can continue this lifestyle, this, this, uh, this decision to be nomadic and, and travel as a family. Well, the worst case scenario was, well, we'd come back home and maybe we'd move in with our parents for a little bit, get our feet on the ground again and get careers again and, and just away we go. That was really the worst case scenario. Mm, yeah. And when, when you go through that process, you know, as, as uh, Tim Ferriss calls it, fear setting, right? When you go through this process of really asking yourself, well, what's the worst thing going to happen? And let yourself paint some wild pictures. Like, go for it. Yeah, the world could end. Oh, well, then I'm grateful. At least I went and did something a little bit different, you know. Like, but realistically, the worst case scenario for me and what my wife and I were it was like, we run into money, and we're not able to continue traveling. We'll have to come back home and and uh, get jobs again. Okay, no problem. I can live with that. Can you live with that? Yeah. Okay, let's do this. And so over those five years, we traveled around North America. My father was ill, and uh, after he passed a few years ago, we were like, okay, we can go overseas now. And so. We opted for Bali because Southeast Asia, it's a nice little hot spot. A lot of digital nomads there. A lot of people go to Bali. It's a destination location. It's third world country, but with all the first world amenities. So there's a lot of positives there. We committed to go and live there for three months to just try it out. 
anyways, three months, two and a half years. And, uh, and, and for anybody that's ever been to Bali, and even if you haven't, trust me, when you get there, it's just a wonderful place. Amazing people, great food, amazing weather, it's beaches, it's jungle. Uh, it, it's just a wonderful, wonderful place. And uh, had my kids not wanted to come back to Vancouver for high school, we'd still be there. To be honest, we'd still be there. And uh, but we learned a lot through those travels. And and then we traveled around Southeast Asia, to different countries, because that was our home base was in Bali, and it's really easy to travel around uh, to different parts uh, when you're when you're there. So yeah, that was that was sort of it. And I, I encourage anybody, you know, if you have a desire to travel, we'll travel. Just do it. Figure out a way to make it happen. You learn so much through traveling. Awesome. Recent you recently you wrote a blog post about the power of the spoken word. And this is something mm-hmm. that I am very passionate about because I, I really truly believe that we don't understand the power of our words and they can be it can be positive or it could be negative. And a lot of the times we will say something and we won't even think about it. But the mm-hmm. impact that word, those words have on the person receiving them can be really, it can be life altering, you know, it can be, you know, just something casually said on the playground, like you're stupid, or you can't do this. And, and people carry that for the rest of their lives. Um, And I would add to that also the power of the written word Mm -hmm. as well. But can you talk a little bit about that, that blog post and, and what that means to you? And why were you inspired to write that? Well, for one thing, I, I find that the, the self-talk, right? Like it's the words that we use to, to, or the things that we say to ourselves when nobody else is around, right? How do we actually perceive ourselves? How do we want to be perceived? What do we say about ourselves? What's that, that mind, you know, the mind's eye? How does it see what we are and, and, and perceive what it is we're doing? And when you really start to reflect on yourself and your life and your choices and, and your actions and, and you start to pay attention, you just become mindful of some of these aspects, you start to realize that some things are, are more or less a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like we, we speak into existence uh, and influence a lot of the, the, the results that happen in our life. Uh, and it, a lot of them started with us just thinking about it and then articulating it, maybe writing it down. Uh, you know, and I, I try to stay away from the term manifesting or manifestation because I know once you get into that the whole law of attraction idea, for some people, I, I know they, their eyes glaze over like, yeah, whatever. I think there's definitely some, some truth to it from a psychology standpoint. You know, our subconscious, we're programming it all the time, all the time. You know, there's a thing called the reticular activation system. And it's this idea that... Well, let's put an example. Anybody who's gone out and shopped for for something, um, maybe it was buying a new car. You start to do some research. You decide, okay, I want a new car. You you narrow in on a particular model, right, or brand and a certain color even. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got this in your mind that this is sort of the vehicle you're interested in. But all, and now, all of a sudden, you know, within weeks of that idea being formed and, and you consciously bringing it to our awareness – we start to notice in the street these vehicles popping up, you know, we're not more than we ever noticed before. And it's this power of the subconscious that we can literally program it to, to, to help us achieve certain things. And there's a reason why this happens. You know, when you look at the chemical makeup of the, the brain and, and, you know, dopamine, we want dopamine. We want the rewards. 
and uh, even the serotonin. These things, our brain wants us to achieve those like little ah aha moments. Those little hits. You know, that we, yeah, we do. We we want it. We're wired for this stuff, right? And uh, so understanding this and accepting this as you start to go down that path of learning how this all works you can start to be a little bit more proactive, you know, in, in how you're programming the mind and how you're programming your perception of yourself or ultimately shaping your life. And I, I've been very guilty of negative self-talk, you know, uh, many times in my life, especially when I was a teen, you know, just like I'm fat, nobody likes me. I'm worthless. You know, I hate me. I looking in the mirror, I break down crying often, you know, like I, I there's very little photos of me back then. And I did a lot of external work to change my external, but I didn't really start understanding that I had to do a lot of internal work because those ideas and those, the mindset that I formed at that time, at that low period of my life, I carried that forward into my 20s and even into my early 30s. And it created a whole other, uh, um, a cascade of other problems and challenges and because I was always doing something to try to establish my, my self-worth. Right. I, and for me, I, I turned to alcohol and drugs, even though I'm building a, a fitness brand, a company and very respected in my industry. On the flip side, I was doing a lot of things that were directly opposed to that. And, you know, call it a double life, if you will. Like I was I was not a, a great pillar for what it means to live a healthy, active lifestyle, because on the flip side, I was doing things to sort of escape this negative self-opinion. I was looking to get validation from others and not necessarily people that would be considered positive role models. You know, I'd go out with the boys, go drinking, do things that I, I was doing things just to try to validate and find and get value from others and for it to be perceived a certain way, you know, to feel like I was enough and really what it came down to. And it wasn't until my early thirties that I finally understood that and started doing things very purposefully to change how I perceived myself, the kind of language I used to talk to myself. So, you know, this idea of the power of, of the spoken word and the power of the written word, the power of our thoughts, it, it, it's incredible. The influence it has in us in our everyday life, especially as it comes to programming the subconscious, because the subconscious is always going to look to prove us right. You know, so if we're thinking negatively about something, we're going to want to prove that that's true. Okay. Cause we get a dopamine hit. So if you're thinking that I'm fat, I'm out of shape, nobody likes me. I'm constantly thinking that subconsciously, we're also looking to validate that, to prove it true. And Anthony Robbins really goes into great detail on this kind of idea. Uh, so I always recommend, you know, check out some of his TED Talks or some of his, his free content. He speaks to this quite often, you know, this, this, this power of, of just the self-perception and how we can influence that through what we read, our inputs, right? What we read, what we think, what we say, all these inputs influence the outputs. Uh, so, so that's, that's where, sorry, where I was going with all this, this is this little side story is just that choose your, your, your inputs wisely, you know, and, and this goes right down to association and the power of association. Jim Rohn says we're net sum of the five closest relationships that we have. Right. And, um, when I reflect back on some of my lows, I, I can see why I was at that status in life. And I looked at the influence I had around me. There's no wonder why I, I was very comfortable in that state because I had nothing challenging me to go beyond it, you know? Uh, so that, that's a place where I like to get people to start. Just start with looking at who you associate with and how are you feeding your mind. And if you change those two little things, whew, 
it doesn't take long for changes to start to, to occur in a very positive way. And, uh, and also your subconscious will start to shift as well. And as you start to shift that, whew, man, it, it's amazing what happens when that door of opportunity starts to open and the opportunity to do things differently. Because then you realize all I got to do is walk through this and keep walking through this door. And uh, it's very empowering, very empowering. And uh, it, it, it goes direct um, opposition to that victim mindset you know, become much more focused on our own hero's journey. You know, this idea that, okay, I'm on a journey. I'm going to encounter challenges. But the why, the, the goal is so much bigger than me. I'm going to keep going for it. And and so you even look at challenges as as opportunities to learn and grow, not, not as these things that limit us and, and hold us back and, and actually uh, can derail us. It's not the case any longer. I really believe the people that you, I think, you know, such good advice there. For me, I think probably one of the, if not the most important thing is who you surround yourself with. I think mm-hmm. that yeah. may be the most important thing. Honestly, that I believe it's mm-hmm. more important than, than like your knowledge, what you learn. I think those five contact contacts, yes. you know, 10 people that you hang out with, it's, I, I believe it's the most important thing in life. Honestly, it's, it's, it's so important because you associate with, with those people and, and you, you feed off each other. If it's good, if it's bad, whatever. Right. So great advice. Um, thank you. It's uh, didn't come easy. It sort of just came through lots of experience, just a lot of work, right? Like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things, right? It's like, Oh man, if I knew this when I was 20, gosh, life would be a lot different today. But sometimes we just have to go through the process. You know, mm. we just got to go through the experiences. We got to have the experiences. But do we learn from them? You know, and I think it comes to a certain point where we just got to reflect. You got to self-reflect. You got to take an opportunity to look back on some of the most challenging moments that we've had in our lives and say, okay, well, how did that positively actually impact me? Mm. You know, because all the challenges that I've endured and I've lived through and had to, to face and, and work through, it ultimately brought me to where I am right now, you know, and, and I can't see myself being where I am right now had I not endured those. And, and so it really opens our eyes to like, okay, maybe there is meaning in everything. <laughs> I want to switch a little bit and talk about your book. And I want to make sure I got the title right because yeah. a, it's a long subtitle. So Die Manuel's yeah. Whole Life Fitness Manifesto, 30 Minutes for Healthier Body, Mind, and Spirit. Um, so what Bam. inspired, yes, what inspired you to write this? So, well, l- let me put it this way. It, it, I think a lot of us, at least a lot of the people that I've connected with over the years, especially while I've been in the fitness industry, th- there's a lot of <sighs> obstacles that I think we, we erect ourselves, <laughs> a lot of, uh, I often joke, if you use an excuse more than once, it's just a bad habit in disguise. And <laughs> I think it's really easy to feel overwhelmed. I know I get that way at times where I just, I build things up to be far worse than they actually are because then it's easier to justify why I'm not doing certain things that I've said are important to me, like maybe exercising or ensuring I get to bed on time or limiting how much uh, sugar I eat, you know, just certain things that I know in the long term. I'm more in alignment with the kind of life that I want to be living. And yet I'm doing things that are in direct opposition to that, you know, 
so the whole life fitness manifesto stemmed from literally five, almost six years of my wife and I hosting free Sunday fun day workouts. One of the retail stores that I had uh, in the back, we had a little gym and we would invite people to come join us on Sunday mornings to have a workout. It was always body weight based or functional fitness equipment, you know, so so basic equipment like medicine balls, bands, tubes, you know, just stuff that's really accessible for people. Also very simple to use, but it was a community of like-minded individuals coming together to unconditionally support one another. And when you create that kind of a community, it's really neat to see how people start to shift, you know, their energy shifts, their, their attitude of themselves and others shift. And we had people as young as like 13, 14 coming with their parents up until their seventies. So we had a quite the gamut uh, of different types of people, different types of backgrounds, different types of sizes and ethnicities and all that stuff. But we all came together for a very common reason. That was to support one another and living our best life possible. And with a simple focus on health and well-being and positive mindset. And it became ultimately a, a testing ground for me to, mm. to try some of the workouts, try some of the, the, the talks, the way I speak and encourage and, and motivate or inspire or educate people. And we learned a lot through that, those years. And it ultimately became the seeds, which were planted and ultimately became the, the book that it is today, the Whole Life Fitness Manifesto. And it's a lifestyle program. It's not really something that you start and then you stop. It, 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 I encourage people to maintain it. It's only 2% of every 24 hours, so 30 minutes a day. You move your body with purpose for 15 minutes. You do five minutes of mindful meditation, 10 minutes of personal development. It, it's very little as far as a commitment is concerned from a time standpoint. But the compounding effect of this day after day after day, it's immense. And, and it's really, it's concentrated self-care. Mm. Yeah. The only people that can prioritize self-care in our lives is ourselves. <laughs> you know, I, I haven't found anybody that's willing to pay me to look after me. I would love that. That would be yeah. awesome. Yeah. Wouldn't that be the best job ever? That yeah, I'm going to pay yeah. you to work out and eat well. And I'll be like, awesome. Sign me up. I'm in. Yeah. I haven't found that yet. And so we have to recognize that we have to prioritize that time for ourselves because if we don't do it, nobody else will. And once you find a system that works and you have a community to support you, and you know, we have an online free community for people, the program's even free. Uh, It's people are always laughing. My publisher doesn't like it, but uh, I give it all away. Right. I'm just like, here you go. Cause I just, I want to make an impact. I want to help people. It's part of my own legacy of Mm -hmm. trying to shift things in the world. And, and, and so it's just a really simple format. It's, it's simple in concept. Uh, it's easy to, to follow through on if you're willing to make a commitment to oneself. And after 28 days of being committed to that routine, you can start to see how this can be, emerge into a lifestyle. People say, is that all I got to do? I hear this all the time. No, but it's the least that you're worth. You know, the very least that you deserve is 30 minutes of your own focused energy on your self-care to improve your body, your mind, and your spirit. Because this translates into every other aspect of our life. Once you start focusing on this and you prioritize some time for yourself, ooh, man, things just start to change. And, and I always tell people, like, they're like, well, what's the catch? I'm like, there is no catch. It's free. Here you go. Like, just do it. Commit to it and do it. You know, and people are like, well, I don't know how to do the exercise. I'm like, well, listen, my wife and I recorded all the videos. You do the workout with us. We lead you through a 15-minute workout. We do five minutes of mindful meditation. And then we give you some suggestions on what you can read or listen to or watch for the personal development. It's like super simple. I'm like, dude, give me 30 minutes and I can change your life. As simple as that. And, uh, and it's been a lot of fun. It's been very rewarding. And, and so that's, that's it in a nutshell, you know. Was, what was, was there a point 
that you said, okay, I got to write this book or, mm-hmm. or was that just sort of a natural progression? Well, you're a writer as well. And, and especially when you're someone that creates a lot of digital content, you, you probably find that people, well, you start to be branded as a certain individual, with certain beliefs and certain ideas and, and, and certain values. And, and we often talk to those values in a way to inspire, to educate, to motivate people, to, to, take charge, maybe their businesses, maybe their life, maybe their family, lots of different reasons. We have certain things that we're passionate about. And so I became known as I started sharing on social, uh, a lot of my own personal views and started blogging my own personal journey. Uh, 14 years ago, people just started asking questions, you know, and and often I would take a question and turn it into a blog article. (laughs) You know, I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, because if there's one person thinking this, it's probably, or sorry, one person asking, there's probably a lot of people thinking it. And unfortunately, Google proved that to be right and have people who are looking for those questions or answers. And over time, it just, I felt it was something I needed to put out there, you know, because it was just too many people with the same objections coming to the forefront and asking for help. But I wanted something that was accessible, something that was scalable, as well as something that was effective that provided the result if people followed through with the commitment. And, and yeah, it got to a point where I was like, I can't not write this book. You know, I got to put this out there and uh, it's been a very rewarding process. And, and the neat thing is, is you don't make money on books. Like, I mean, I guess you do if you're like, you know, uh, JK Rowling or Stephen, yeah, King, Stephen or King, yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Dean Koontz or, you know, these guys that sell millions and millions of copies, but uh, it's the opportunities that the books provided me has been so rewarding. You know, many, many keynotes working with some amazing associations working with some fantastic brands uh just it's opened up a lot of doors for me to make further impact in people's lives and that's how i always looked at it was here this can help change people's lives but now it's also giving me opportunities to to take that one step further and be much more engaged uh, with individuals and associations to help facilitate those transformations which is a big reason why i do what i do so uh writing the book's been a great exercise in that in that um mode modality cool uh, what is your writing process like? Do you, I mean, do you like to write in the mornings or do you like, do, is there a creative time for you? And, and how do you go about thinking about writing? It is, I do not have a fixed process. I'm not like a Seth Godin that writes every morning and uh, religious about it. Uh, I, for me, I sort of just, when inspiration hits, uh, often, if I'm asked a question and I see the question recurring, sometimes, it, you know, in some of my groups on Facebook, I'll see people have a conversation on some topic and I'm like, oh, that's a really good topic. I can add some value around that. Or I, I like to learn more about that. Uh, for me, a lot of times, just because I want to learn about something. So a lot of the blog articles on my site are, are geared to helping people with lifestyles, right? How to live a healthier, health, healthier, happier life. And so a lot of the content echoes that. It gives people useful things that they can implement and see some positive changes or shifts. And so that's sort of what works for me. But if I had to choose a time of the day to do it, it's usually early morning. I'm an early riser. Uh, I'm usually up between 4.30 and 5 a.m. every day. And uh, I, I like the, the some people call it the witching hour, right? And for me, that's my witching hour, I should say. It's, it's that before the world's awake, it's me I'm alone at my, my laptop or, or in my living room having a coffee or on the balcony. Like it just... I feel most creative and most at ease at that time. And so for me to create something, it tends to work. Sometimes it depends on how much research I have to do on the article. And 
or, or when I'm writing, it might take a little bit longer, might have to do some more research, you know, have more citations and whatnot. But for the most part, it's just like, what is the main message I want to get across to people? And what is that key thing I want them to take away from this? That if they take that idea away and they actually do something with that idea, they'll see some positive changes. But that's really at the nut of everything. And uh, I prefer speaking. It is, you know, it wasn't how I started, but it, it translated into that. And that's sort of why also the power of the spoken word is I, I love doing keynotes. I love speaking to groups and organizations, facilitating workshops, retreats. It's like I, I love being there to help others in person or online now virtually to, to, to facilitate or create a space where people can explore some of these ideas and, and subjects and, and shifts. Uh, I really enjoy that aspect. Uh, so I look at the online space as a great opportunity for me to create more opportunity offline. And, and uh, that's sort of how I've perceived it the last 10 years. How can somebody get who wants to speak more, how can they get those keynote speakers and how can they, they uh, just get more speaking engagements in, in general? Yeah. Well, stage time I think is important. And for me, I knew that I got very anxious speaking in front of groups. Um, I used to use alcohol as a way to overcome that. And then when I stopped drinking over 10 years ago, I realized, okay, well, I really got to figure out a way to deal with some of the social anxiety when it comes to speaking. And that's when I joined Toastmasters. And I'm a big fan of Toastmasters. It's a nonprofit organization. And I think this is why it gets kind of a bum rap at times is because it's so inexpensive to join it. People treat it as such. You know, it's one of those things because it's all volunteer driven. Mm -hmm. Everybody that's part of the organization that keeps that thing going, it's all volunteer based. And the cost to be a member at a Toastmasters club is very inexpensive. I mean, if it was $10,000 to be there, I think people treat it very differently, right? Uh, but I looked at it as just a, I had a mentor at the time that I asked, he was a professional speaker. I said, well, what do I have to do to become more like you and be comfortable like you in front of a group? And he said, go to join Toastmasters. Literally, that was on a Friday. That Monday, I went to my first Toastmasters meeting and I haven't you know, stopped since. That's just over 10 years now going to Toastmasters and uh, I absolutely love it. I, I love it. It's been a great opportunity to get better at, at speaking in front of people, telling more effective stories, connecting with people, even the body language aspect, inflection. Like there's so many minute aspects that make impactful talks and, and impactful stories. And, you know, we always hear, you know, it's like people don't remember what you say. They remember how you made them feel, right? And, and I find that through talking, through speaking, through keynoting, there's a great opportunity to do that, to make a great impact in people uh, in their lives. And uh, so when I started going on that path, I had about a year under my belt at Toastmasters. I, was, I started looking for free opportunities to speak. Just, just get out there and get stage time. Just start talking. Uh, Meetup groups were one of the first waves. Then I looked at small conferences and events. I went around the city, uh, so here in Vancouver. And then from there, I also looked at media opportunities. Is there opportunities to do any PR type stuff? You know, and fortunately for me, I was building a social profile online as someone that knew a lot about health and well-being. So I got on the radar of some some radio shows and some local TV and even newspapers. So there was opportunities to then, again, continue sharing a message, telling a story. And, and it just sort of stemmed from there to the point where, you know, a lot of my keynotes have been booked through just conversations or referrals now. And there are people that have come across my platform online, seen a video that I've posted, reach out, hey, we're looking for someone to come speak at our organization. Would you be open to it? 
yeah, of course, you know, and, and it sort of stemmed from there. But I always say to people that want to do more speaking, just stage time, just get out there and tell your story. Just get out there. Podcasts are a great opportunity to, to, to be able to share a story, to connect with new people, new individuals, new audiences. Uh, but you just got to keep, keep getting out there. And, and there's so many great opportunities. And I know right now with COVID, it's a little bit more limited, but I found that the amount of podcast interviews I've done since, since February, year over year, it's like almost triple hmm. in the same amount of time over last year. And because uh, I do look at that stuff and I think I've had 30 podcasts and summit interviews since wow. February. That's, That's crazy. It's a yeah. lot, right? Yeah. But people are looking to create content. They're looking for people that are subject matter experts, authorities, people that have a story to share. And uh, that's why I tell people, just get out there. People need to hear your story. They need to hear it. They, they just don't worry about all the, 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 the do this, don't do that. Just, just share, you know, get out of your head, get into your, your heart and, and just connect. And uh, remember, uh, everybody's got a story to tell. You know, we all do. And uh, so that's that's sort of what I recommend for people who are just getting going. But of course, if you have more questions that I always encourage people to reach out to me. I'm happy to direct you a couple other places where you can look. Cool. So I want to wrap up with this last question. What sure. book most influenced you in, in your life? So there's been a lot. You know, and when I think about different phases of my life, there's been different books. When I think back like 20 years ago, one of the most impactful books that I read is The Alchemist. By Paulo Coelho. You know, I absolutely love that story. It's a, it's a work of fiction, but the underlying message is very powerful. And I, I, I love it. I think it's just a great book, a great story. But this idea that a, a lot of us are out there seeking certain things, but often we already have exactly what we want before we even start the journey. And, and so it's also that reflection within and that value proposition. And I am worth it, you know, and I am enough. And, and, uh, so there's a lot of cool things there. So that, that was really impactful. Um, but most recently, some of the books that I've read that have really impacted me, and it, especially last month, actually, I just read Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Me. Good line, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm. What a story. Like, just uh, incredible. Like, just, uh, you know, for people that aren't aware of his story, he's a Holocaust survivor. You know, he was in his mid-20s. He was a young psychologist uh, who, who ended up, being shipped off to Auschwitz with a lot of the other um, people at the time. Uh, and he survived, uh, but he has a very interesting perspective on suffering and the role of suffering in our lives and, and, and how to, to find the meaning, no matter the situation that we find ourselves, no matter the hardships that we're, we're, we're enduring. And uh, just this idea that we can always choose to, to lead a life with dignity and, and, yeah, it's. I could go into more details on it because it's fresh in mind, but I, I would encourage people to read that one. I, I just think it's. I think everybody can learn something from that book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I got that book from the library, and I didn't think it would be that big of a deal. But I think I waited over a year because there's yeah. that many holes on it. So, so people are still reading wow. it. So many. I mean, yeah, so many years later. So yeah, very. I definitely. Again, yeah, I'd echo your sentiments that it's definitely worth checking out. For, for sure. sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Is anything else come to mind? Oh, gosh, I got a lot. Yeah. Well, The, the Big Leap is a mm. great book, uh, especially when we start talking about the negative self-talk, the limiting beliefs holding us back in our life. Uh, it, it's a great book. Essentialism. Um, it's another great book, really t helping you understand, you know, what is essential versus non-essential in our life and our businesses. 
you know, that, that whole idea of the fear of missing out FOMO is very real for a lot of us, especially myself. And, and after reading Greg McCown's book, Essentialism, I started to realize that, you know, getting really clear on what do I want versus what I don't want, what can help me be more aligned with what I want versus not, and really just starting to be able to say no to certain things. Like no is a complete sentence in itself and being okay with that. <laughs> like just no, saying no to people and mm-hmm. and not feeling so beat up or guilty about that or, or, or be doing the very Canadian thing and apologizing for saying no. Like it's, it's just getting my head around that. So that in the last five years has been something that's been very useful for me is being able to just say, no, this isn't a fit. This is a fit. Thank you. You know, just really uh, being integral with, with my word, but also my actions and uh, and being okay to just say, no, this isn't the right opportunity for me. Cool. So Dai, thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Where can people find you if they want to reach out and connect? Fortunately, I'm really easy to find because of my <laughs> unique name. Yeah. And uh, my parents were, were had some foresight there, I guess, uh, before search engines became the thing. <laughs> uh, Dai Manuel, D-A-I, last name Manuel, I'm in U-E-L. Uh, if you can type that into Google, you will find me. And uh, my blog, 1,500 plus articles on it now. Uh, but the neat thing is, is all my social media platforms, it's just my name. So you can find me really easy. I'm most active on uh, Instagram and Facebook. So I say to people, just reach out, ask a question, say, hey, Ty, how you doing? I heard you on, on Joel's podcast. Say, What's going on? How you doing? I, you know, you said this book was great. What do you think? Like, I just invite people, reach out to me, ask a question. Let's start a conversation. And uh, uh, listen, uh, life is just way too short not to be open enough to, to just say hello to somebody. You know, uh, and you just never know where that hello will take you. And uh, I've realized that I lived a lot of my life not will- being willing to say hello because of my own issues, my own self-confidence, my self-worth issues. So I want to let people know it's okay to say hello. It's okay to say hi. Smile, make eye contact, say hi. How you doing? And uh, because once you start doing that, you realize, oh, wow, they were thinking the exact same thing. It's just somebody's got to go first. Someone has to say hi first. <laughs> so just be the person that says hi first, you know? Cool. That's a great place to end it. So thanks so much cool. and have a great rest of the day. Hey, listen, I really appreciate all the amazing content you put out and how you're just a, a, a wonderful light of inspiration for a lot of us, especially during this time. And uh, just thank you for the opportunity to connect with you and your audience and uh, looking forward to sharing this with people. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Publishing for Profit. Please like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.